Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. I'm Travis Shaddix. Here on this channel, we are on a never-ending journey to find out how we know what we know about turfgrass science. Thank you for coming today. I see Lush and Gray and Brady. You guys, Looney, everybody's already in the chat this morning. Welcome. So happy to have you all here. We had a good night last night with Dr. Raymer. Um, that's, that's what a leader looks like in the turf grass industry. I mean, Paul Raymer is awesome. I'm, I'm really happy he came on, had a good show last night. Today is um, another great scientist who worked with Dr. Raymer on these, pub these publications with Thatch. We're continuing to go over Thatch today. And uh, we have next week, we're going to be going over Thatch. And then next week, I swear, is the last week I'm doing Thatch for a while because I am not comfortable with Thatch. I don't know much about it. And it's definitely an area that, that I've learned about more going over these papers, really, than I ever did before. So um, next week's going to last part of Thatch, and we'll go on to some new topic. My guest today got his bachelor's degree from Punjab Agricultural University in, in India in 2005. He got a master's degree in 2007 from India, from the Punjab uh, University as well. And then he went to uh, the University of Georgia, as we mentioned uh, last night, and got his PhD with Paul and Bob and the guys up in Georgia in 2012. And I believe now he's at the University of Florida. My guest today is Dr. Sudeep Sidhu. How are you, Dr. Sudeep? Did I say your last name right? Sidhu? Sidhu, yes. Sidhu. Good, okay. good morning. Yeah, good. good morning, Travis, and good morning, everyone. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming. Um, for those who might not know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Sudeep, and uh, how you got to where you're at? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting and long, long, long story, but I'll start. I grew up in the state of Punjab, which is in the northern part of uh, India. Uh, uh, we are primarily an ag state. Uh, Area-wise, we are less than 2% of India, but we produce about 20% of India's wheat, 12% of India's cotton, and 11% of India's rice. Oh. So, so we are, so I grew up in, in a farming you know, uh, community. Uh, uh, we, my dad or my uncles, I, I should say, uh, while growing up, we had our own uh, row crop farming operation, dairy farms and poultry farms. So okay. kind of grew up on a holistic ag, uh, you know, uh, family operation. And uh, so had a natural inclination towards agriculture and moving forward, went to Punjab Agricultural University, which is one of the premier research, ag research institutes in India and did my bachelor's and master's. Uh, and uh, I was trained as a soil scientist up okay. until my master's. Okay. And uh, so India doesn't, uh, Punjab Agricultural University at that time didn't have any turf grass program. Hmm. So so my master's research was on soybean. And uh, so I was, was trying to, I was, you know, uh, in, in the fertility work, I, I did sulfur and boron studies on soybean and their impacts. And then, it's just destiny that I ended up with uh, with with, uh, with great scientists such as Dr. Paul Raymer and Dr. Bob Caro, Dr. Jack Huang, and and got to work on this you know very unique uh, research, which is the use of lichase enzyme on thatch. So I worked with Dr. Raymer on this project as part of my PhD for for about four years. Okay. Then I worked with Dr. Patrick McCullough at UGA as a postdoc for hmm. two years, working on herbicide physiology. So did a lot of carbon-14 uh, related stuff to understand the uptake 
translocation and metabolism of different plant growth regulators and herbicides in, in used in turf grasses. After that, uh, I got an opportunity to go to Nevada and work as an agronomist growing vegetables for a production uh, company. Oh. So, so grew vegetables for about three years for them and decided that I need to, I, I just like to be back in academia. And so I got an opportunity to work with Dr. David Wright at University of Florida, who was housed at uh, North Florida Research and Education Center. Hmm. So started working with Dr. David Wright as a postdoc and okay. started working on precision act techniques uh, to improve nitrogen use efficiency in cotton. Mm. and started working on some alternative uh, crop rotation systems such as sod-based rotation where we uh, incorporate bahia grass uh, in our row crop land oh. and so so worked with dr wright for two years as a postdoc and then wrote a grant and had my own position in a grant as a non-tenure track faculty member so stayed with dr wright's program as a as a non-tenure track faculty member for two years working similarly in you know working in the similar kind of projects related to peanut cotton and uh, and corn uh, basically on nutrient management okay after that uh, went to another location that's also part of uh, north florida research and education center but that's in live oak hmm. so i worked there as a hundred percent extension faculty a regional specialized agent in agricultural water management was my title. Mm. So again, I was dealing with a lot of nitrogen in corn related extension programs and research programs. And then this year, last year, Dr. David Wright, my former boss retired and his position came open. So I applied for the position and starting this September, now I joined back at NFREC in Quincy as an assistant professor of agronomy. Oh, so you're, you're, few months into your assistant professor position yes oh okay yes. well congratulations yeah. on that good for you well thank you <laughs> thank you well 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 the, the the i mean it's it's i i always feel that uh it's it's you, sometimes it's you can't control when when life takes you to different places and and uh, gives you the opportunity to work on different i i never thought that i would work on turf grass okay and then at, at the same because i i grew up on a in a farming community with row crops growing mm. wheat and rice so mm. never thought of working on turf grass but and then at the same time never thought of working on vegetables but god has his own plans yeah when a door closes a window opens and you gotta take advantage when the opportunity is there yeah so you basically have a very similar story as a lot of my generation and the prior generation here where we kind of grew up on farms or in, at least in that it was in our, you know, in our sphere of influence when we were growing up and we sort of gravitated towards that as an interest. Um, I often wonder, you know, what's the next generation going to look like? Cause we just don't seem to have the same, you know, input or in, you know, interaction with plants and soils and farming as, as I did, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it just doesn't seem like we have a lot of the students coming up nowadays but, who grew up no, in that environment. I I agree with you, and and this is, I, I think this is just sad, and this is just not the situation here in the U.S. But it's it's the same back mm. home. So I I, I went uh, to meet my dad last year, and uh, you know just just when we were talking as a family, me, my uncle, my dad, and everybody was sitting, and the general consensus was that my generation 
the the guys and the girls in my generation in my village mm. they've left no. somebody is in new delhi somebody is in uh, bombay uh, mumbai and you know they're doing it jobs or most of the folks you know went to um, abroad different countries abroad for their higher studies yeah. so there's there are just a handful of uh, you know young boys in my generation left back in my village who are still farming or yeah. still somehow connected to farming so it, it's yeah. just a it's a sad situation yeah it's the next chapter in human civilization i guess and i'm just i'm always i'm curious like man what are we gonna are we gonna be okay i guess well we'll figure it out we'll figure it out well then you ended up going to george like i said and did you know the 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 legendary status of the professors at georgia that before you joined that team did you know who they were well uh partly i would say partly yes and partly no mm. uh because it's it's a it's a funny story how i ended up at georgia mm. so i started my phd program working at oklahoma state university in the spring of 2008 working with dr bill ron who okay. who is the who at that time and still is one of the greatest you know consider, considering nitrogen work or or optical sensors with nitrogen mm. uh, uh you know uh, work so I started working with him and my now my wife at that time my fiance was working at university of georgia mm. so so it so happened that uh, initially we decided that both of us will uh, it's fine for us to to be at two different locations and and finish our phd's but soon enough we realized that now that that's <laughs> difficult to 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 be at two different places mm-hmm. so so at that time uh, you know this opportunity came at university of georgia griffin campus and and i applied for uh, and 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 got the the assistantship so okay, but yeah. at that time when i was applying and i was looking for opportunities at university of georgia that's the time when i actually came to know about the the huge status of dr raymer and, okay. and and dr bob carroll mm. um, so yeah so so that's why i said partly yes partly yeah. no yeah well there's some people that just you know <laughs> their 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 success and their you know their impact precedes them and and uh bob and paul i mean not to say anything about the other authors the other authors are great as well but bob and paul have been around for so long and and the, their impact is just you know it's going to be felt for many decades you know for they just they're very very good at what they do i hear paul's going to be maybe maybe you know setting off in the sunset here in the next you know in the future sometime i don't know but um but we always they, they leave this massive void when they leave it's like man who's gonna fill those shoes <laughs> so ho- hopefully yes. you know we we are able to fill those shoes well today you're on here because i read one one section of the paper we're going to go over and i just like i don't know what he's talking about this is so far beyond my ability to comprehend i need to get sue deep in here and help explain it to me and we've been going over thatch for about a month now sue deep and we've you know we've talked about mechanical issues and, and how to culturally manage the, the, the thatch you know via destructive methods as i'm sure you're well aware of those and then this idea in the 60s came around like can we do this without destroying the turf is there something we can do and there's been hits and misses they've tried sugars and they've tried enzymes and they've tried you know all sorts of bacteria they've tried all sorts of stuff and very rarely does anything ever work and if it does work like nowadays there's some there's a little bit of hint and miss about about some types of sugars but those are i think they're fairly weak we're going to go over those papers next week there's not a lot of strong evidence for that but there's a little bit 
And the same thing happened with Lycase in 2011 and 12 when you published the Hort Science paper. It's like, well, there's a little bit here in this greenhouse study. But since then, you've continued to put out papers in the field studies with different grasses and different settings. And we see similar responses. And so I wanted to wrap up. We've discussed this on my channel is where I'm going. And I wanted to wrap up this Lycase topic we've been on for the last two or three episodes with the review paper you guys published in the International Turfgrass Society Research Journal because it sums up sort of all the work you all have done. And there's a lot in this paper, Sudeep, as you know, you wrote it. So there's a lot in here. I want I want to get um, through here, but I, I, w I would like to, um, you know, question you specifically about this one one or two paragraphs that describe lignin and and it, and it describes to my audience and to me what what exactly is it and what exactly right. is lycase doing to help facilitate the degradation of of the thatch of the of the lignin in the thatch so i'll get to that in a minute but just Briefly, do you want to just give us a, a bird's eye view of this particular paper? And you know, I know it's a it's a it's an amalgamate it's a, a conglomeration of all your projects, really all into one paper. You want to kind of just give us a background as we go into the paper? Yes, yeah. uh, Travis, this whole idea about using lichase to manage thatch started back in two thousand eight, mm -hmm. and that uh, and I was the grad student, PhD student, working with Dr. Jack Wong. Dr. Paul Raymer and Dr. Bob Carroll was on my committee at that time. So, so the whole idea was that how can we basically enhance organic matter degradation, you know, particularly in the thatch layer. Now, as you mentioned, there have been several, several studies done in the past where sugars were used and different substrates were used or different inoculates were used. Uh, some, some, some of the issues with using sugars per se or using uh, other inoculants or or my, microbial populations is if you if we apply my microbes directly on on turf grass right for us to be able to grow a particular microbe that we actually intend to be there to produce enzymes that can degrade lignin and i'm coming back to lignin that that's basically very difficult in in intensively managed turf to create that micro environment mm -hmm. for that particular microorganism right so um if you are using sugars uh, as th that sugars have been used in the past right so it's basically a temporary phase to improve microbial population but it's not about the increase in the microbial population. It's also about sustaining that population over a longer period of time, right? That's the first thing, sustaining microbial population. Second, it's just not any microbe that we need. It's very particular microbes that can actually degrade lignin. That's what we require. So, so what happens is, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to be very generic here, and I'll, I'll use my hands to explain, <laughs> you okay. know, why we, why we thought of. Consider, consider my finger, I'm trying to, yeah. So consider my finger as a cellulose unit. Mm. In a plant cell wall, the primary unit is cellulose. Mm. It's, it's the it's most abundant naturally occurring uh, molecule is cellulose. 
and this is readily decomposed by bacteria. Most of the bacteria, most of the fungi can eat it up really fairly quickly. All right. Okay. But this is covered in a in a in a matrix of hemicellulose. All right. Sort of. Not always covered. Sometimes hemicellulose and cellulose strands are side by side, or or you know they they are just different strands in in the cell wall, but both hemicellulose and cellulosic sugars are easily readily decomposable by most of the microbes that are present in soil. But the thing is that if you look at cellulose or hemicellulose strand, again, I'm using my finger, both these type of sugars are actually covered by lignin. Okay. Okay. Now, now imagine that you have plenty of bacteria and and fungal organisms that can eat up your cellulose, which is your major source of, you know, uh, about 35 to 40% of your cell wall is cellulose. But now that cellulose is not available because it's protected in the matrix of lignin, right? So, So the thought process was that we should not target cellulose. We should not target to somehow decrease cellulose because that we knew that most of the microbes in the environment are are capable of doing it. So so the thought process was that the outer layer, this lignin matrix around cellulose, break that down. Mm. If we are able to break that lignin matrix or open up the bonds, then we will be able to, and this was just an assumption at that time, our theoretical assumption that once the lignin is open, that that lignin structure is broken down, then the microbes will have access to the sugars, which are cellulose and hemicellulosic sugars. So, so, so this is the baseline. This is the basic, you know, thought process behind this study. Okay. Okay. So since we're on that topic and uh, and I appreciate the introduction, I I, want to, because you, you you went right to the area that I want to ask about, <laughs> well, you know, and, and you have very good explanation. I, li- I like your 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 you know use of you know, visual usage of of you know explanation of what it is. But I, I'm I, I you have to understand I, I I'm a soil scientist, Nita, but I know nothing about lignin. I, I everybody who's listening oh. to this knows more about lignin than I do. So if if, if I'm hearing you correctly. Lignin is not a structural component. I'm going to repeat back, and you tell me what I'm wrong, and help help correct, help educate me here a little bit. Lignin is not necessarily a structural component. It's a coating on on structural components that prevent degradation no. of those structures. No. No. Okay. Lignin is lignin is a structural component. It is okay. Of of the of the cell wall, pr- primarily of the secondary cell wall that we have. Okay. It is a structural component, but the way the components are in the cell wall is you have your sugars, but they are covered in a matrix of lignin. Okay. All right. And now, now let let me let me clarify a little bit. Then, what is the importance of lignin, right? Yeah. The, the first importance is that that it is covering up the sugars that we need to break down. That that we need to be eaten up by the microbes, right? Okay. So lignin is covering those sugars. The second importance of lignin is the structure of lignin. Mm. In in the last seven to eight decades, several chemists and biochemists they have tried to figure out the structure of lignin, 
and there are different schools of thoughts you know on, on the on the structure of lignin but most of the scientists we kind of agree on that there is no one or definitive structure of lignin there's no structure oh. it's just the the way lignin is formed is that you have carbon to carbon bonds mm. or you have carbon oxygen carbon bonds but those bonds are linked to each other in random fashion with about 22 different kinds of bonds mm. and i can say some of those bonds those were uh, beta 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 alpha beta 05 beta 07 but th- without going too much deep into the chemistry again i'll use my hands if you have a carbon atom if this is my one carbon atom and this is my other carbon atom if i am attaching the carbon atoms together this is one bond right okay. but if i am attaching a phenol which is oh which is you know the, the oh compound that we have in alcohols if i am attaching here an alcohol that is another kind of bond but what if there is no structure i'm i can attach a phenol here but in the next segment or in the next uh, carbon atom or molecule that i'm going to attach the 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 phenol attaches here instead of here okay. right yeah so that's a different bond now and then in the next in the next ring the carbon or the oxygen attaches at a different site and then they mm. attach at a different site so it's so the the basic consensus about lignin is that it's a macromolecule with no structured uh, attachments of all these different bonds okay so there is no structure Hmm. so because there is no structure it's really difficult to break it because you because now i don't know that i am i breaking a co c like carbon oxygen carbon bond hmm. or am i breaking a carbon phenol bond or am i breaking a carbon carbon bond and if i am where am i breaking that bond it is that carbon attached to a five fifth carbon or a fourth carbon or a, a oxygen hmm. attached to a second carbon so so that so the structure is so complex that even in the in the in nature lignin breakdown is often the rate limiting step if you if you have if you have if you go and study and and read some of the publications in forestry when a tree breaks down and and they when they when the scientists have uh, figured out how the breakdown happens lignin is one of the rate limiting steps because even for the microbes living in the soil it's difficult to break lignin because of the complexity of the structure so it's the structure i mean i'm sure the actual components of lignin play a role as well but it's the structure that is really resulting in its resistance to decay by microorganisms more than most other yes, okay and there there is another layer to the structure so in lignin there are phenolic compounds and then there are non phenolic compounds phenolic compounds is a carbon ring with a oh with an mm. alcohol attached to it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's easier to break down the phenolic components the components that has an alcohol attached to it it's easier to break them down mm. but it's difficult to break down the non phenolic components of lignin and that's because of the redox potential the oxygen okay. the the yeah. redox potential that's needed to break down so yeah. so we need a higher redox potential of anything that's trying to break down lignin we need a higher redox potential 
to break down non-phenolic compounds. Uh, and that's why lycase has that. It's a very high redox potential. I guess that makes sense now. Okay. Yes. And, and lycase, again, there are different sources of lycase. Hmm. Plants themselves, they have lycase enzyme. They produce lycase enzyme within the cells to help uh, produce lignin. Okay. But that that lycase has a very low redox potential. Mm, okay. Now the the lycase that we get from fungal species, not all fungal species, but some of them have very high redox potential. Uh, okay. So okay. so so the higher the redox potential, it means that that enzyme has the capacity or the capability to break down different components of lignin phenolic as well as non-phenolic components okay so let me let me bring this to a practical world here a little bit because you just said something i think that I, I on my channel i try to emphasize is that just because this particular project found this result it doesn't necessarily mean that this particular product that contains the active ingredient would also result in that what i mean by that is lycase is not necessarily lycase is lycase there's where the source of that lycase would likely have a different impact on whatever desired in this case thatch reduction so yes. if a product says well there's very few products that have lycase in them in the turf manager i don't know i don't know if maybe maybe one if, but it doesn't necessarily mean that because it contains lycase it will likely result in that we need to have a little bit more information of what organism yes. it came from uh Yes, that's going to complicate things. Right. <laughs> that's going to complicate things. Can you imagine though? Because in the in the manufacturing distribution, I doubt they're going to say this lycase came from this organism. I, I, hopefully, now if somebody hears this, they'll include that. You know, if there's if there's organism specific lycase that is productive and other lycase that is less productive, I think the consumer would need to know that. It would be nice if they did. Yes, you know, to yes, make... and that, that, and this is and this is absolutely uh, necessary and. And the source of lycase that that I used for all these trials, not all the trials that are in this paper, but for the thatch management trials primarily, okay. we used lycase enzyme uh, initially from Sigma Aldrich uh, yeah. company. We bought it from Sigma Aldrich, and that and the source was uh, the the fungal source was Trematis versicolor, okay. and and uh, and then later we also tried. Uh, and we used some lycase enzyme and we tested different sources of lycase and we we tested some of the lycase enzyme that one of our collaborators in China in one of the universities in China was fermenting and, mm. and producing lycase. So so we also tested that lycase alongside the lycase that we were the, the lycase from Trematis versicolor. Okay. Um, so so and, and and sometimes you know we, we figured out that we, yeah that, that that the other source worked pretty good and sometimes it, it would not and that mm. that's based on the redox potential the difference in okay. the redox potential okay perfect perfect well that's that's it, that's enough for me honestly i've had a, i'm gonna have a good day the rest of the day because i had what my interest and my my ignorance in this topic i feel like i've i've, I've I've gained something already today just with what we've gone over and we have, we have more to go over. So some of these, I'll, I'll give you um, just a brief background. So some of these graphs that you have reproduced from previous publications, my audience has seen, but people who are watching this for the first time might not have. So I wanted to kind of go through the papers. If you, if you're okay with this, simply yep. by using the figures, most of the figures, because you have several figures in here and they really tell the story from my perspective. And I think the audience might, might be able to uh, 
see what I'm talking about yes. when we get to it. So this paper or this figure here, for those people listening, I'm looking at figure one in, in this paper. If I can get it on the screen, if I can, I'll back out of here. And this paper, we this figure was uh, one we already went over with uh, my audience prior, uh, Sudeep. But if you want to just kind of briefly go, this was, I believe this was the greenhouse study with creeping bent grass, if I'm not mistaken. And yes, this was the first study okay. that we had. And, uh, and, that, and see, we, at the beginning, we were at a point where we understood theoretically, we understood the concept, right? Okay. Yeah. And then we, we went to the, some of the lab studies and we did a, a little bit of lab studies to figure out if, if lycase is actually reducing the lignin content mm -hmm. you know we did some petri dish study petri dish studies and and after that we knew that the concept works yep. but then we needed to we, we had no idea in terms of at what rate or activity level should we use lycus mm -hmm. um what frequency should we apply lycus to turf grass is there any uh, you know impact on the turf quality there were so many unknowns and we we had no answer so so if you look at this table you'll see that at the at the bottom axis you see that our lycase was all the way from 0.2 yeah to 2 well you had activity. you actually had 20 as well it's not on this particular graph yeah. but you had, yeah. you all went up it, 20 because you don't know the rate yeah, we, that would work you don't even know if it yeah. will work you know <laughs> so you you just it's like paul said last night you just a shotgun approach and we're hoping we find a rate in here that we do see a response imagine if you yes, sudeep imagine if you use 20 but the the critical limit or the critical concentration for a response would have been 40 or 50 or 60 you know you don't know you're trying your best to to get it on within the range and and you guys did you you picked some ranges and you found that two units per square centimeter was the unit that resulted in a response yes. so for yeah, those listening uh, i'm sorry go ahead and one more thing before sorry to interrupt you the g here mm -hmm. is glycol hmm. now now i'm as we were talking about redox potential right the the cap capacity or capability of an enzyme to break down uh structures some sometimes what what happens is that in an in a enzymatic reaction, enzyme itself might not have a high redox potential, but in presence of a mediator, mm. the potential increases. Okay. So, we, so because, since this was our first study, so we wanted to test a mediator as well. Okay. So we tested glycol. Mm. Uh, but what we figured out was that lycase in presence or without the presence of glycol was, was working. Yeah, you see it here. So we're looking at a, a figure that has thatch thickness. And the mat layer thickness, and I'm sorry, mat layer thickness and thatch layer thickness, yes, and we have a, we have a control, we have nothing, and then we have very you know 0.2 units and 0.2 units with and without glycol. And basically, what we found, you all found, was that nothing really occurred at the 0.2 concentration. But when you guys got to two, you started to see the <clears throat> well, not the mat layer thickness, but the thatch layer thickness thatch layer. decline as a result of this inclusion of two units of of yes. um, lycase with or without glycol. So that was where yes. you're like, okay, there's something going on here. And this, I'm, and my audience, I think, is starting to become familiar with how our process, our minds work in, in science. And that is, things are really expensive. We can't just go out in the field because the field research is the most expensive research. So we generally will start in the lab or in the greenhouse when we have exploratory research. And that's what that was. So now you guys yes. knew around two was probably... You know, at least we know something probably going to happen at that rate. And you started going yes, out and doing more work. And um, let's see, uh, 
let's see. Oh yeah, well this graph right here is what we're going to talk about in a minute. But the graph on figure two, and remember there's yes, some sir. people who aren't, aren't watching this. There's going to be some people listening to this. We're looking at a similar graph where we're looking at enzymatic treatments, the zero, and then we have the 0.2 units, and then we have the two units just like the previous graph. And in this case, we're looking at the soil depth from the top one inch or the, the one to two inch depths. And on the y-axis, we have, uh, what is this on the y-axis? Total organic carbon, I guess. Total organic yes, carbon. This, this is, this is our organic carbon. Yes. Yeah, and in the top uh, inch, go ahead, go ahead, CD. Um, um, uh, uh, what I wanted to say here, that when we did our first study, mm -hmm. we knew that the, the point 0.2 unit works, right? But But the first study, we were not able to, we were not able to see how effective is lichase in breaking mm. down organic matter. And, and this is why, because in a live turf grass system, lignin is constantly being produced by the plants, mm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so we were trying to break down lignin while plant was producing lignin, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. So, so I hope I'm making sense, right? Yes. So, so the next step that we wanted to do was that now we know that 0.2 unit works. Uh, when we apply it every 15 days or every uh, bi-weekly application. You, you mean the 2.0 two units? Is that what you mean? Yeah, the, uh, sorry. Yeah, the 2.0 2. 0 unit okay. works. Okay. We knew that it works, but the first study didn't tell us the actual effectiveness of lichase in breaking down organic matter, mm. right? So mm. this, so the second greenhouse study was done on a, we killed our bent grass. Mm. We killed it. We clipped it all the way to the thatch. And then we started applying the same treatments as we did in our prior mm -hmm. experiment. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to see the overall impact of, yeah. of lichase enzyme on, on organic matter breakdown without plants actively producing organic. Matter. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And we saw that you all saw on the top inch that, uh, again, this not, not, nothing happened between the control and the point to, but then you start to see a reduction when you increase the concentration to two units per square centimeter. That's when you see this reduction here uh, in the top one inch of the of the thatch, I suppose. And then, um, yes. so that's that's basically you're trying to, and and I, I mentioned this before. And there's so many things going on. We try to limit everything as best we can and control everything just to refine, see, you know, answer the question we're having. And when you have, like you mentioned, we're trying to see if there's an influence. When in the meantime, it's not a static system. It, there's still there's still lignin being produced by the plant, so he's like, well, let let's just let's just kill it, stop there, and see if there's anything going on just from zero, and that's what you found there. Now, when we go to Figure Three, now this is what I think we talked about last night with Paul briefly. I may be wrong on this, but this is a very similar graph where we're talking about uh, we have the enzymatic treatments from the control with nothing all the way up to you know zero and then two units of lignin and all the way up to 20 units i'm sorry lignin 20 units of lycase and uh you want to tell us about this particular graph do you remember uh what we're you see this here okay yes yes okay. this this graph is also uh this is the same uh, this is from the same study i'm just i'm trying to i'm just trying to uh make sure that i do not uh misinterpret any graph yes so this yeah. is from the same dead dead grass study but and this is the patch layer thickness okay so so as as we were talking about in the first graph that yes we went all the way to 20 units mm -hmm. per centimeter mm -hmm. square so uh, in the second study again we kept this the treatments you know and yeah. and we wanted to see 
the the impact all the way up to 20 what we saw and if you can if you can see here is that after about two months we started seeing the decline in thatch layer for all mm -hmm. the way from two units to, yep. to 20 units yep. but when we applied it for six months it basically you know yeah. we are just looking at the enzyme treatment it was all uh, statistically similar except for the 20 plus glycol yeah. which was which was different than at least one treatment uh, yeah. so basically you know for us looking at this graph it just the, the information that we got was that two units without glycol yeah. is basically doing the job yeah, yeah. And it goes from, you know, the, not doing anything after six months, the thatch was about 10 millimeters down to six millimeters. So you're looking at not only a statistical reduction, but a biologically significant reduction. We're talking about 30 to 40 percent reduction in thatch thickness uh, just by the application of two units. So let's go down to the next one. And this is where it gets a little, <laughs> it gets a little more confusing for me. Um, yeah. Hopefully you can help me out here. I don't know if I can get it all on the page. I'll, let me zoom out here. I think I'll have to zoom out on this so the audience can see the whole thing. But figure four was your, um, this, the, we're talking about glucose, and I can't even pronounce some of these words. Um, can yeah, you? These are, go ahead. Yeah, these, these are the sugars. And see, remember and the, when we were discussing about the importance of lignin, and I said that we are actually looking at cellulose, a strand of cellulose and hemicellulosic sugars, mm. and they are bound by lignin. So mm. we are trying to open up lignin molecules so yeah. that microbes can 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 basically eat up or or decompose the the sugars that are present in the cell wall. Okay. So how yeah. we so when we did this dead grass study, that's where we saw that yes, lignins reduced. You know, all the things that we were looking for, thatch layer was reduced, organic matter was reduced, but but the 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 philosophy, you know, that we had at the beginning of this project was that we will assist by applying lysis enzyme we will assist in opening up the structure of mm -hmm. lignin mm -hmm. and then that will second-handedly assist the microbes to reach the cell and decompose different sugars so that's when i tested you know on a weight basis i tested the different sugars monomers because mm -hmm. cellulose and hemicellulosic they, these sugars are these components are composed of different uh, sugar monomers so they are composed of glucose arabinose you know and so we just tested some of them and also tested total sugars and as you can see mm -hmm. as we increase you know as we moved from zero or control to two units you you at, at about six months you'll start seeing reduction in yeah sugar components yep, different yep. individual sugar monomers and that was basically this basically aligned with our initial thought process that yep. that's what's happening so it's confirming it's to you that what your hypothesis was is is probably what's going on because you know it's opening it up you're seeing not only the reduction in thatch and lignin but you're seeing reductions in the sugars that are that you know theoretically should have been reduced and in fact they were so this is the paper or figure five now remember this is the paper we talked about last night with paul where we're talking about bermuda so now you did those greenhouse studies there's clearly sufficient evidence to indicate there's probably something going on here but it was in the greenhouse and we can talk about all the differences in greenhouses and field there's clearly importance and what we find in the greenhouse doesn't always translate in the field but all of our clients with very few exceptions are working in the field 
So now you take it out to the field and do some Bermuda grass and zoysia grass work, and we find that here in this figure. You want to go over this? Yeah, sure. So, so by the end of the first two greenhouse studies, we knew that if we apply uh, two units of lichase every 15 days or every two weeks, once every two weeks, for about six months, we we see the reduction. We we are we, you know we were able to see thatch reduction, organic carbon reduction. We were able to see reduction in the sugar. So we were pretty confident that in a in a control system, we know what works. But now let's try. And and we also knew that it works in creeping bent grass. So so we knew that okay, now let's move out in the field and also try different turf species. Mm -hmm. So we tested it in Bermuda grass and zoysia grass. The baseline that I have for both these grasses was the, the thatch layer or organic matter for, for this graph, organic matter at the beginning of the study. Yeah. And so if you see in the control, you know, plot where we did nothing, mm -hmm. you see an increase in organic matter yep. over time. Over the baseline. But with, yeah. Over the baseline. Mm -hmm. But with our treated plots, we saw a reduction. Yep. In, in our uh, organic matter. Yeah, and this and, and this is what I told Paul last night is that when your when your Hort science paper came out in 2012, I think it was the greenhouse yes. study. I read that and I I told Paul this last night. I was like, I read that and go, okay, you know, but I but I've seen this, something like this before. I've seen blackstrap molasses do something. I've seen inoculated fungi do something here and there, and then later on it doesn't work, and you know it's hit and miss. There's inconsistency in the results. So that's when I read the Hort science paper. I'm like, okay let's let's you know check that and put that in the in the mental bank of potential you know interest then this paper comes out and i go man <laughs> the, you know bermuda grass i can kind of i can buy that i'm like okay bermuda grass okay there's something going on but then when you see it with zoysia grass yeah, like granted yeah. you didn't see it in the second year here but there's other but the first year i'm like okay if you're going to if you're going to show data that shows a reduction in zoysia grass thatch from a bottle, essentially, if you want to, you know, kind of using that yeah. phrase, then you got my interest. I'm like, okay, there's something to this. And this is what really, you know, um, started to move me off the center line of neutrality. I'm like, okay, there's something probably here. I gotta, I gotta look at this. So, um, this, I just want to let you know, as, as a scientist, this is the paper that started to convince me The Hort science paper was just like a little thought to me. And then this paper is like, okay, all right, I gotta look at this. <laughs> you know, this is something that could be a game changer really. And, um, so Good job on that one. So now we're going to go to figure six, which we're, we're again, we're building here, guys. Remember, this is epistemology. One paper isn't going to really move me off the center. We're not talking about one paper. We're talking about two or three or four or five papers here. And this is uh, the next part here is figure six. I'm going to leave this on the screen because I think it's a little too big to fit in and I zoom in. Uh, this one is cultural management practice. We have a control. We have um, cultural management practice. I don't know if that was an verification or verticutting. It just labeled mm -hmm. as cultural management practice. And then you have the applications of lycase on, on the x-axis. And then you have on the other panel, you have the frequency of lycase applications. And on the top panel, you have the rate of lycase applications. And in all in all cases, we're looking at millimeters of depth of that is that that thatch layer thickness thatch, on thatch thatch, yeah, thatch layer thickness okay walk us through these three panels here so this th this to me i would say was my second best 
paper okay. or, or second best result because the best is the last one. Okay. And this is the second best because after all these studies that we did uh, and we, we shared up till now, right? Mm -hmm. we, we kind of were testing to figure out if we know the range and we know how frequently we need to apply, right? Okay. So, yeah. so after that three papers, we, we were pretty confident that two units of lycase applied every 15 days for a period of six months Yes, it will work on that, right? Okay. Yeah. Now the next, the next logical question was: Can we further uh, improve the efficiency or or, or reduce the yeah. applications of lichens, right? How, how low can so, we go? Yeah. How low can we go, right? And uh, in all fairness to 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 everybody here, lichens enzyme, uh, the the wave. As I, as I mentioned, that we were purchasing it from Sigma Aldrich, and and this this was not something that was very cheap. It, it was expensive enzyme to test. So so Dr. Amer and I, we when we all sat down, Dr. Caro, Dr. Amer and I, and it was just a unanimous decision that there is no way that we can do a complete factorial design and we can test what free, what the low, what's yeah. the lowest frequency and what's the lowest rate that we can go. So we we divided our rates or our treatments into blocks okay and the first block the top block that you see in this paper is our we were testing how low we can go on a rate yeah. so we knew we know that the four the two rate works so we chose to go as low as 0.5 mm -hmm. right here then one and then two yeah. yes and then a one rate above two which was four four yeah. and in the in the parentheses you have frequency of application which is every two weeks okay that's why you have the number two so so if so now looking at that top panel what we knew now after this uh, study was that we can reduce our rate from two to point five yeah so and you, we still we you just reduce the cost by 75% or whatever, by, you know, you know, 25, you're, yes, you're, you're applying only a quarter of what you were applying. Only, only a quarter of what we and you're were seeing applying. And you're seeing the same response. We were seeing the same response after six months. Okay. All right. Now, the middle panel is where we kept our rate, the same rate, which we, what we know works, which is a two yeah. rate, two yeah. units of lycase. But we changed our frequency from two applying once in two weeks to once in four weeks to once in eight weeks to once in 12 weeks. Okay. All right. So what we saw here in the middle panel is that we can, if we are choosing two as of a rate, we can go as low or, or in, in, apply like is as, as low as once in four weeks. Yeah. yeah. And we'll get the same result. Once when, when we use the two, uh, units, but go to once in eight weeks and once in twelve weeks application, yeah. we start seeing a little bit of buildup of yep. that, which was you know. Yep, I see that. Yeah. So, so, so from this, uh, you know, from the rate and the frequency study, we knew that it's wiser for us or for anybody to go low on the rate, but keep the frequency once in every two weeks for okay. better results. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then yeah. the bottom panel, you, you you included it with some culture management, and you see the same response. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, so, to me, Sudeep, this is. I don't I don't know how this sounds to you or not, but it, it, this is more practical applied. Like, what is going to happen relative to what we're already doing, right? Cultural management, yes, right? And yes, go ahead and explain. So our our cultural 
our cultural management was uh, correlation twice and fill, filling the holes with with the scent of dressing. So that was our cultural management practice, and we wanted to. And in this set of treatments, we wanted to compare the effectiveness of lycase alone yeah. with the cultural management practice and along with the cultural management practice. Yes. So, so one and, and this is one of my that that's what I said. The second best result yeah. that I was very happy was. Yeah. With the cultural management practice, when you apply lycase at two units once in a month, with your cultural management practice, that that was the that was yeah. the best result yeah. that we got. You have to understand, and for those listening that aren't necessarily scientists, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we do all this work, set up all this study, hopefully have some funding for, scrape together the resources we need to do it. We go out and we do it. And it takes a year, two years, whatever it is. And only at the end do you start to see the results. And so when these results come in, Sudeep, how happy were you? <laughs> oh, very, very happy. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 like wow. I mean, this is actually working. Imagine, I mean, and it does happen where you do these all this work and nothing happens. That happens a lot. But in this case, we see the 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 lycase applied at two units had a similar result as the cultural management, but combined together, they. Uh, had a, a, a more significant impact when they were used in conjunction with each other. Very, very well done. I like that. I like that figure a lot. Let's go to figure seven. Um, it's a little, it's a line graph. I don't know how much you want to go into that. It's a, it's a pretty simple little line graph. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, but this is my best result. This okay. is the one that I love. Okay. So, <laughs> Let's hear it. So now with the last study that we discussed, right, we were at a point where we knew that we can reduce our lycase rate or, or ap application dosage from yeah. two units to 0.5 and keep on applying it every two weeks okay. for six months. And that works, right? Okay. Uh, or we reduce the frequency, it still works. But the next question was, and this is a very obvious question. Now, now I, I want you all to, to think about it. We we are just opening up lignin bonds, you know, cellulose. Remember the cellulose that we have and the lignin that's on top, right? So we were just, imagine we were just opening up the lignin structure mm. so that the microbes are able to decompose sugars. When the sugars are gone, right, what's left is whatever lignin is left is your primary now uh, component of your organic matter, right? So if we keep on applying lichens and we keep up, keep up opening lignin structure and the bacteria or the fungus in the soil, they're able to keep eating whatever sugars are available. There has to be a plateau. You know, when you reach that, when you hit that mark, where now what you have in your organic matter is primarily lignin. Yeah. Right? So, and so that, so, so that thought, led us to, you know, led us to think about, uh, to, to have this study where we wanted to see, okay, what, what's the residual impact of it, right? If I have to develop a protocol on a yearly basis to manage thatch with use of this lycase enzyme, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. till now, all my, all my research was applied for six months, see the results, applied for six months, see the results, right? And we knew we, we are getting the results. But the question was, what happens after those six months? Yeah, you know, I, I I applied it for six months and then I stopped applying. What happens? How much time it takes for thatch to start rebuilding? Mm. How, or and then the next question was, when thatch starts to rebuild, 
what do we need to do next to bring it back down right yeah. for, for for example to make it a protocol like what should be a protocol on a yearly basis to manage thatch using lichas enzyme and that and that's what the the gist of that study is in this line graph okay so so i'll i'll i'll, I'll try my best to explain it to everybody yeah. so so the zero here is the starting point of the treatment that's when we started applying lichas enzyme okay so the first three three bars that you see are for our control the middle bar is for lichas enzyme that we got from sigma aldrich okay. at, and we applied it at the same same activity level that we know that works which is two units applied at every two weeks and then we were also testing the lichas enzyme that we got from one of our collaborators in nanjing university in china and that's the chu because it's chinese university lichas so so okay. we labeled it as chu okay. so that's the lighter color bar so and the, and the length of that bars that you see from 0 to 6 yes. is that that shows you the treatment the zone where we applied the oh okay yes. so you just applied it here and then you you, you had a gap yes. and then you applied it again okay i'm with you yes yes so when we applied the treatment if you can see both the sigma aldrich enzyme and the chinese university enzyme performed equally well and our thatch layer decreased the thatch thickness mm. decreased yes then we stopped at six months was our end end period for the treatment application so we stopped there mm -hmm. and then i came back at the 12 month at a, after a gap yeah. of six months and i measured thatch layer again yes. and as you can see that's the residual impact of like yeah. is because there was no thatch buildup. So it's maintaining right. that effect for at least six months it's after application stop. After application, yes. Now, I came back after 18 months mm -hmm. and I tested thatch layer on the middle line. Not Don't look at the bottom line, but look at the middle line. Okay. This is where I did not apply. This was the lichase yeah. enzyme from Sigma Aldrich. So these are yeah. the treatments where I did not okay. apply mm -hmm. lichase mm -hmm. for a second six-month period. And you start, you see that there's a there's a buildup start of starting up of thatch buildup there mm -hmm. yeah but in the in the chinese university treatment i applied a second set of treatments from 12 months to 18 months which is yeah. a second six month period after okay. a gap of six months okay. and you see that the thatch layer there there, there wasn't any buildup of thatch. So, the same yeah I don't know which one I'm more impressed with, this line or this line, because here, this this darker middle middle line, it hadn't had any uh, application of lichase in a year, and it was still yep. less than what would have occurred had you done nothing. It was still showing a reduction nothing. here. So, yes, sir. brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. I'm brilliant. I did a run that one. That's nice. Let's go to so, the next one. So this. Go ahead. Go right. ahead. Well, I, I was about to say that this was the last study of my PhD program. Okay. Uh, and, and 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 as you were mentioning, when you get results, you were you were I, was I happy or not? Yes, because we we started from from the theoretical knowledge of lichas and mm. theoretical knowledge of lignin, and we had no clue what rate, what frequency would work, and what would not work. Yeah. So, but at the end of my PhD program, I was able to kind of say that hey if we have this activity of enzyme and we apply it at this frequency we need to apply it for six months in a year 
and and you know we have to repeat that the next year if yeah. we want to maintain our attachment. Yeah. So you're starting to. I mean, in some ways, I'm seeing this as a means to figure out how to make it financially feasible for end users. You don't have to necessarily apply it all year long. You can do a you can do a cycle, I guess if you want to call it that, and then take a break and do another cycle, and and you can still see or realize um, some benefit to that in terms of thatch reduction. So, um, you know, when, when, when you're dealing with a management practice like this, that is fairly expensive, we got to figure out how to make it fit financially and for the people making it to make money and, and so forth. So trying to refine it down, trying to, and this is a perfect example of what I've talked about um, on my channel about doing calibration studies. We're just, we're picking rates. It doesn't mean the high rate you should use. We're just trying to pick out rates and then we can refine it down once we see a response to the best management practice rate, right? Whether it's nitrogen or phosphorus or whatever the case might be. And that's what you're doing here with Lycase, the exact same process. So very well done. Let, let's go to, um, let's see. Uh, now the next, basically all the next section, Sudeep, is soil water repellency. Do you want to take a break on the stop right here and then we can maybe address soil water. Why don't we do that? Why, see, why don't we take a break with this? And I, maybe if you're so inclined and you feel comfortable, you can come back or maybe I can get Paul back and we can talk about Lycase as a product for soil water repellency. That'd fit better. I think when I go over wetting agents and so forth, you feel, is that okay with you? Yes, sir. Okay. Cause I think the rest of this, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. This is percent water volumetric content. Yeah. All the rest of this is, is uh whoops hang on is the soil water repellency stuff so i've learned so much here it's going to take me uh, you know a week to digest all the information but that's the reason i got you on here because i read that 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 uh second or third section about the lignin structure and the lacase structure and the functionality and i just like man i don't understand this and you and you did a very good job in ed educating me on exactly what it is that lignin what the problem is with well, lignin right yes well well one thing i think we we did not address in okay. our podcast today is why we chose lycase okay go ahead right I, I guess i guess this is very important because there are other enzymes that do the same thing that that can break down lignin yes. and maybe they can break down lignin better than lycase can but but the question is why we chose lycase there are there are other enzymes such as lignin peroxidase, manganese peroxidase, you know, uh, versatile peroxidases. All three of them have similar functionality as lycase and they can break down lignin phenolic and non-phenolic bonds. But all three of those enzyme classes, they need a strong oxidant such as hydrogen peroxide to initiate their reaction, right? Okay. And so, so, the, so th those were just, you know, we, we, there, there wasn't any thought of using them on turf grass because they need a strong oxidant to, to initiate their reaction. Whereas lycase enzyme, on the other hand, needs oxygen. Okay. Okay. Which, which is, which is readily available, <laughs> you know, which yeah, is in it our is. air. It, it just needs oxygen to carry out its reaction. So that's why we chose lichens. That's a very good explanation. I didn't realize that. And I see you wrote that in the introduction here of this paper. If anybody's interested, you can actually, I, I believe this paper is open access. I think the, isn't the International Turfgrass yes. open access now? So anybody yes, can go is. download this 
I think you can actually search for this on Google and it'll pop right up. Otherwise, go to TGIF, the Turfgrass Information File, and you can find this article and download it. And what uh, Dr. Sidhu is saying is is uh, noted in the last paragraph of the introduction that I apologize we didn't didn't go over. But I appreciate you mentioning that because I, I, I was un, unfamiliar. I do know, unfortunately, uh, I hesitate to even say this, there are some people who actually use hydrogen peroxide. I... I uh, <laughs> I strongly encourage to reconsider that when you're dealing with a, an, a, an oxidizing agent that is potentially as dangerous as hydrogen oxide, hydrogen peroxide, when you're going out and putting it out in in uh, in turf grass systems and agricultural settings. You got to be extremely careful with these um, oxidizing agents like hydrogen peroxide. So that's why you didn't you didn't pick those other enzymes. You yes, can sir. just pick lycase, and it uses oxygen as it is. So very well done. Wow. Okay. Sudeep, I'm going to have to decompress a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> but you're, like I said, I, I just, I understood what was going on in terms of, okay, I'm seeing these results. I just wasn't, I'm still not entirely clear, but I, I wasn't real comfortable understanding what exactly is it about lignin and what exactly is it about lycase that's doing this? Why is it a problem? You know, so thank you so much for coming on and helping educate myself and my audience as to, you know, what's going on here with these good well i'm glad you did well um you're always welcome whenever you want to go like i said I'll, I'll uh i'll probably at some point get into wedding agents and maybe i'll come have you come back in and, and go over the last part of this paper because um there's a couple different ways to look at wedding agents in this particular product we're looking at removing the hydrophobic organic coatings i'm, I'm assuming i haven't read that paper but um you're actually attacking the cause of the problem rather than the symptom of the problem i would assume that that's probably the angle you guys were taking i haven't read that paper but um interesting interesting approach to that thank you so much i really appreciate it for the rest of you all uh i will be back on next monday at 10 a.m as far as i can tell next week will be a normal week 10 on monday tuesday thursday and then 9 p.m on wednesday and i'm going to do everything within my power within my power to finish that <laughs> next week and then move on to another topic because i was telling sudip i was telling the my audience is like, I have one little slice, little lane of turf grass soils and the system that, that I stay in. And every time I go out of my lane, which thatch is definitely out of my lane, I end up, I'm not comfortable. I end up, you know, getting ran over by the car going by me who doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, thatch, I'm just not real comfortable with. And I really appreciate you you educating myself and my audience today on, on this topic. So thank you so much. With that, guys. Thank you, you Sudeep. Hang on tight, uh, Sudeep. I'm going to close this off. I'll be back to you. For everybody else, have a great week and a weekend, and I'll see everybody on Monday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.